I want to talk today about feelings, emotions, and instincts. Those are big words we use all the time, don't we? We use them all the time. Feelings. Somebody say feelings. You hurt my feelings. I felt that. Did you feel that? My emotions are unstable. And I just have a, a gut instinct. We talk this way all the time, but, but are these words in the Bible? Are, are they, is this how we should talk? How do we answer these kind of things when we don't use Bible words to answer them? We talk about them all the time. And I really felt like the Lord gave me some definitions for feelings, emotions, and instincts. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians uh, 5 and 23. Now, let's do something different today. I need to get an amen corner, Brother Matthew. Or you're busy, bro. I mean, it's fine. You can pass off the baby, whatever you want to do. But let me get two chairs, Brother Matthew, those two chairs. Let's put them up here by the piano. In fact, Jaden, grab me another two chairs out of there. Bring them up here by the piano. Um, we're going to start sitting back up on the platform. I know that was an old school thing that we used to do, but I just had a recent revelation that on the Acts chapter 2, Peter stood up with the 11, and he began to preach with his brothers with him, backing him up. And something about sitting on the platform over here by the piano, you know, like preachers used to sit, you know, two and two, two and two. You know, the old they don't even know how to do it anymore. They've been, they've been so trained. Two and two, two in front, two in back. Give them a little space. You've got to have a little shouting space. A little wiggle room there. Yeah, there you go. All right. And I just need a little bit of amen corner help today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do, do you want to sit up here today, the first one? All right, sit up here. Is it okay with your wife? It doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> I'm the pastor of the church. All right. Uh, let's get some ministers up here. Jaden, you want to help me today? Sit, sit there behind by the Matthew. I just need a couple of helpers. Chris, you feel like helping today? I just want some ministers, amen corner. We're going to just, I'm going to rotate ministers. Diego, you want to come up here today? Can you got a little amen in you? Is it okay, Becca? Is that all right? You're submissive. Thank you. All right, go ahead and come up. Sit by Matthew. Yeah, so when I was growing up in church, I'd have these preachers up here. And, and you know, I used to think that they were just like, like honorary positions. But, you know, I'm thinking, you know what I'm thinking? I want the church to know we've got ministers, not just me. And I want, I want people to come in here and see that we've got people in our church that, that are with us. It's not just me preaching, but there's a lot of us preaching this message. And so I'm going to rotate ministers, rotate them. It's not going to be the same people. You know, y'all used to seeing the assistant pastor and the deacon and all that. But I'm going to rotate ministers. And y'all's job, all right, y'all's job is to back me up, right? If you don't like what I'm saying, tell me after church. Don't do it right now, okay? Right now, I just need you to just have faith in me, okay? See, they're doing it already. Isn't that good? Some of y'all not used to that these days. Everybody sits out here. You know, we want to join the people. But, you know, we're, we're going to get back to this because we, we want to show you that we're a team and we're together. And we all, also want people in the church to know that we have a lot of ministers in the church. We've got a lot of men. And, and I want them to know we've got different cultures in the church. You know, they see a white pastor. They don't realize how many people that are not white that work in staff and work in ministry in our church. And I think it's healthy for the church to have that representation to know that it's not just me preaching. But Peter stood up with the 11. Everybody say, with the 11. Why does that matter? Because it's not one man's message. This is not just my message. This is our message. It's our message. Feelings, emotions, instincts, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, someone say spirit, soul, and body. Be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all, we've got to get a handle on our spirit, our soul, and our bodies. All three of these things matter. 
all three of these things. But we don't talk about it that way. You know what we say? We say feelings, emotions, instincts. We should be saying my flesh, my mind, my spirit. This is who we are. This is what the Bible says we are. And this is how you're going to get total victory. I'm prophesying right now. Someone's going to be loosed in this place today because a revelation is going to come over you that you've never heard before. It's biblical. It's not a new revelation. It just hasn't been talked about. Because we have let modern words define us instead of God's word define us. And we're broken as a society and we're confused because we won't let the word of God talk to us about who we are. Let's pray and ask God to help us right now in the name of Jesus. Help us, God, today understand our feelings understand our emotions and instincts today i pray for revelation use me god as a vessel that can be a blessing to help thank you god for the minister today that are here praying for me and supporting i pray god in the name of jesus that you're going to minister and touch every life today in the name of jesus everyone say in jesus name you can be seated amen thank you thank you men be, be praying for me be interceding underneath your breath there. Be praying. Ephesians 4 and 17, I want to start off with a little bit of Bible study. Bible study is Greek for stay awake. That's what Bible study means in the Greek. If you're not used to studying, then studying is boring to you. But if you love God's Word, it's exciting. I love God's Word. Ephesians 4 and 17, if you, if you think this is tough, wait till camp meeting. You gotta, I got to do this back to back all day long. All right, so you got to get ready. Ephesians 4 and 17, this I say, therefore, in testifying the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility. That's the New King James Version. But King James says, in the vanity, the false thoughts of their mind. Vanity. That is your thoughts, not his thoughts. You've got thoughts, he's got thoughts. So we are not to walk with our thoughts. Our thoughts don't mean anything. Our thoughts get us in trouble. Our thoughts mess us up. I don't want my thoughts. I don't need to have a zen. I don't need to sit with my legs crossed and meditate on my thoughts. I need to go to prayer and get his thoughts because my thoughts are futile. They are pointless. They are vain. You will never figure out how to be holy with your thoughts. You need to have his thoughts download into your spirit and mind. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. They just don't know because their minds don't know because of the blindness of their heart. So now we're talking about the mind and now we're talking about the heart. Now we're not talking about the muscle that pumps the blood. That's not, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the, the life of the body. What is the life of the body? What's the life of the mind? The spirit. God did not breathe a brain into Adam. God breathed the spirit into Adam. The heart of man is the spirit of man. You are spiritual. Everyone's spiritual. Because you have a, a spirit that God gave you. But there are people who have a blind spirit. They don't know. They are ignorant. They don't have the Spirit of the Lord. Verse 19, who being past feeling, some of you are like, oh no, what does this mean? This is not a scary scripture. Who being past feeling, which means no longer care and not worried about. They're apathetic. 
They don't care. There are people who don't care. There are people that are over it. Kind of like people that have been married a long time. They're fighting all the time. They're done. They don't care anymore. When you stop caring, you're done. Your marriage is over when you stop caring. It's good when you're still fighting. That means you care about each other. When you get to the place when you don't fight anymore and don't argue, I should, use, I should use debate or some better spiritual word, Christian word, because I know we're Christians and we don't fight each other. But whenever you debate each other and you've got little, little, little you know, speeches with each other and all that, when you give up and you quit, you become past feeling. You don't care anymore. You're not worried about the relationship anymore. When that happens to you, you're done. There are people that have no feeling for God. That means they don't care anymore. They have no desire for God. You can't convince them. You can't change them. They have given themselves over to lewdness, which is lust and selfish desire. They have become God. When you no longer care about the real God, you become the God. And then whatever you think is right and wrong is what's right and wrong. That's what's happening right now in our society. Everybody's right in their own eyes. What is your truth? There's no such thing as your truth. There's only the truth. There's the truth. That's it. Got to find out what the truth is or you're going to be deceived. Okay? So, so they work all uncleanness with greediness. Ephesians 4.20, but, but you have not so learned. Christ, there's a little gap here. You have not so learned this. Why? Because of Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct or behavior, your actions, put off the old man. Everybody say, put off the old man. Why do you keep holding on to the old man that got you in, in drug addiction? Why do you keep holding on to the old man that messed up your last marriage? Why do you keep holding on to the old man that keeps making you stay awake at night? When will you get sick of the old man? When will you get sick of your sinful nature and want to be free of it? You can put down the old man. That's why we got a baptistry tank back here. Because you can take the old man up there and drown him. Stay down there, old man. You ain't nothing but trouble. I'm coming up with a new name on me. I'm coming up ready for a new spirit in me. Get rid of that old man. Y'all are doing a great job. I'm not even paying him for this. This is awesome, right? I think this is just a natural part of it, man. I love it. Hey, man, if none of y'all like it, hey, they like it, okay? That's all that matters. These are my boys right here. All right. I feel like a preacher gang member right now. I just... Is this what it feels like? I'm from the hood. <laughs> it's, a, it's a neighborhood, but I just, I'm going to get T-shirts one day that say that. I'm from the hood, and the back says, it's a neighborhood. It has like a picture of tennis rackets or pickleball. Hey, you ever, if you ever got in a fight with tennis rackets, it hurts. Y'all think, some of y'all got baseball bats. You just wait till a string gets in your eye, you know? You think baseball bats are powerful. Y'all can laugh in church. It's okay. I got the, we got the spirit of joy here today. Some of y'all are like, I'm not allowed to laugh. Yeah, you are. It's okay. So, so get the new man. Let's get the new man. Uh, let, me, let me back up. The old man which grows, verse 22, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So let the spirit work in your mind. Let the spirit work in your mind. Get that spirit involved in your thoughts, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Somebody, somebody say, put on the new man. I want to get rid of the old man. I want to put on the new man. That's a, that's a common theme in the scripture. We want to get the new man. Verse 25, therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, 
for we are members of one another. And now the conversation switches. You're new. Everything's new. So talk right. From now on, talk right. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. Now this, now this is how we interact with each other. I'm, the old man's gone. I'm the new man. And now when I talk to you, I'm going to talk to you in truth because I'm not I'm lying anymore. I don't lie. I'm not in deception. So talk to each other in truth. For we are members one of each other. We belong to each other. So that's why I can't lie to you because I'm lying to me when I lie to you. When you lie to somebody else in the church, you're lying to yourself. You're hurting you because you're a part of the body of Christ. Somebody say accountability. Let me teach for a second on accountability in the church. I think this is important today we're living in. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 11. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but they're busy bodies. Bible's powerful. Verse 12, now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread because they're causing problems and you just need to learn when to be quiet and pull your own weight because there's busy bodies among the brethren. This is happening today. It happened back then. It happens in every church, but there's a solution for it. Verse 13, but you brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Don't get frustrated. If any man, if any man obey not our word by this letter, note that man, put a check by that person, and have no company with him. Do y'all believe the Bible just like I do? Yeah. And you would obey the Bible, right? If you if you saw it was in the Bible, you would do it, right? No matter what it costs you, you'd do it, right? Is the Bible smarter than you or are you smarter than the Bible? Oh, we can find a way to get around this scripture, right? Because that's what we do. We don't like them. We go find a different denomination that doesn't preach it. Or we could just say that we go by the word, we'll be judged by the word, and we'll stand in eternity one day because we obeyed the word. So what are we going to do with this scripture? Quiet in here today. It's quiet because we don't preach this way. We, we leave this out, especially on Sunday mornings when there's guests here. But you know what our guests deserve? The truth. Our guests deserve to walk into church and know that this preacher cares more about their soul than his own pocketbook, which is a rare thing these days. I'm going to preach the truth to you today, and this is what the Bible says. Accountability. It says, note that man and have no company with him that he may be. Now, those are fighting words in someone else's hood. In my hood, maybe not. But if you walk up to someone and you say, shame on you. Oh, I'm about to fight you. Shame on me? How dare you say such a cuss word? Do you even know what the word shame means? Does shame hurt you? You have to be around someone to shame them. As long as you're still around them, then you feel shame. So shame requires proximity to work. You don't get rid of people that are doing wrong. You let them feel shame. Here's how shame works in the kingdom of God for your benefit. Come here, brother. Let's go out to eat. I'm going to buy your meal, you dirty dog. What's wrong? Well, you've been lying in the church. I caught you gossiping. Let's go buy your meal. I love you so much. You're wrong. That's called shame. You don't kick them out, but you also don't condone it. What we've done is we've kicked people out that are wrong 
because we don't love them enough to take care of them when they're wrong. And it's easier to get rid of them than to take them under your wing and say, you're wrong, but I love you. What you did was wrong, brother, but I love you. You see, shame only works when you stay. And this is the reason why people change churches when they get caught. Because they want to start over at the next church where that new pastor doesn't know what they've been doing. But you know what's good for every saint? Is to stay when you get called out and fix it so you go to heaven. Because at the next place you go, they don't know you. It'll take them five years to find out what your struggles are. So you know what we need in the church? We need healthy accountability where you can say to someone, you're wrong, but don't leave. I feel the Holy Ghost talking to someone right now. You want to build a healthy church here at AFC? we got to get it in our minds that I'm going to speak the truth to you. I ain't going to lie to you. But the truth is I don't want you to leave. I want you to stay. The message of shame is please stay so we can work on what's wrong. Don't leave. It's wrong what you did. i got to sp- I got to speak the truth to you. But I want you to stay around. Don't leave when someone speaks truth to you. They're only speaking truth to you because they love you. And why would you want to leave people that care about you enough to speak the truth to you to go find people that don't love you? That's not very wise. You're only hurting yourself, honestly. You're not hurting anybody but yourself. Because if you're going to leave, we'll find someone else to bless. But we're going to preach the truth in church. And the Bible says very clear, I'm going to mark you because I ain't going to let that spirit get a hold of me. I'm going to mark you but I'm going to still love you. Y'all, there are people I pray with all the time that I'm thinking, shame on you. But come here, I love you. Because this is the love of the Father. The love of the Father says, you're wrong, go kill a calf. You're wrong, bring out the ring. You're wrong, but come here, prodigal. You're wrong, you were wrong in what you did, but I still love you. I'll still give my life to you. For while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. Shame on you. Come here, let me love on you. Shame on you. Come here, let me die for you. Shame on you. Let me give to you. This is a healthy church. You're wrong. What you did was wrong. But don't leave. You got to get it in your spirit, church member, because I need your help. To talk to each other, brother to brother, sister to sister, and say, you ain't right. But don't leave. Really feel the Holy Ghost. So lift your hands up right now in the name of Jesus. Will you make a commitment right now to start preaching the truth to people in the church but say, don't leave? You're wrong, but don't leave. I love you. Don't leave. We've lost a lot of people in the church because we said, you're wrong. You better go. But that's not the message of the Bible. We say, you're wrong, please stay. We say, you're wrong, let's go pray. We say, you're wrong, but I love you. I'll do anything for you. I'll fast with you. I'll give up anything for you. I want to see you change. I want to see you grow. Now, this is powerful. This is so good because he gives them this this word to to not look at it. Let me finish verse 15. Let's put 15 up there. Look at this, y'all. He says, do not count them as an enemy. Just because someone makes a mistake in church doesn't mean they're your enemy. Y'all, they're battling their feelings, their emotions, and their instincts. They're battling their flesh, their mind. They've got a lot going on. That's not your enemy. Don't count that person as enemy. Mark them, but don't mark them as an enemy. Mark them as potential. 
Mark them as hope. Mark them as they can change. Mark them that there's still hope in the end. You're wrong, but you can get right. Just like me, I've been wrong, and someone helped me. You wrong, someone can help you. I'm not trying to get rid of you. I'm trying to get you to change. Yeah. Admonish them as a brother. When you talk to people and you correct them, make sure they know that they're a brother and you love them. You know, the reason why we don't, we don't correct each other, because we don't love each other. You know why? Because you have to love someone before you get away with saying stuff to them. And the more love there is in the church, the more correction there can be. But we don't love each other enough to open up a door for that admonishing and correction. Let's finish our text now. I'm going to bring it all together. You ready? Ephesians 4, 26. Be angry and do not sin. Wow, that's perfect timing. See, I just paused in our text, and I gave you that other uh, supporting scripture. Now I'm coming back to the text. Look where, he, look where he finishes off. In verse 25, he said, speak the truth to your neighbor. In verse 26, he says, now don't be angry and sin, or be angry, but don't sin. Hey, you can get mad at your brother all you want to, but you can't sin. You don't have to like the fact that you're feeling shame. You need to go repent over it, not get angry, get attitude, and go quit. Yeah, yeah, you get mad sometimes at people, but you need to bite your tongue and say, you're right. How many of you have been angry and wrong at the same time? <laughs> Anger is not, is not a spirit of holiness. Anger is not evidence that you're right. Anger is evidence you got caught. Some of y'all angry because you got caught. Your wife walks in and says, and you're like, get out of my face, woman. You, why are you mad? You're mad because you got caught. You're not mad when he was doing it. He was happy when he was doing it. Whatever you did wrong was making you happy, so it ain't that. It's the fact that you got caught, and you feel shame, and you're the man of the house, but you're not acting like one, and you got caught, and you're getting angry now. You're angry when you got caught, when you should just say, I'm angry, but I ain't going to sin. Where's the altar at? I'm angry. Where's the pastor at? I'm angry. I'm getting right because you caught me. You got me. Thank you for loving me. Don't let the sun go down in your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Because you know what happens when you correct somebody? The devil walks up and says, see, they don't love you. You ought to change churches. They don't love you. You ought to get out of that family. They don't love you. Get out of that marriage. They don't love you. The devil enters in when you correct someone. And that's why you got to make sure that you're loving people that you're correcting. There's people here right now, you're living with people that they don't serve God, and you, you want to you shame them, you want to tell them, but you, you know what? You've got to be so careful. You've got to make sure they know that you love them because shame only works from love. What do you do if you don't think someone loves you and they call you out? You punch them in the face. Hey, somebody on the street out there can say, hey, man, you're ugly, and you'd be like, I'm going to kill you. But, you know, your best friend can say, hey, man, look, you're not, you're not a 10. You're a 5. Stop going after all the 10s. You're a 5. Your best friend can say that. But now, now not everybody can say that. Y'all, amen? Y'all with me right now? Because some of y'all are 5s. You think you're 10s. That's why you're single. I'm going to move on, though, all right? Not all of y'all. Just some of y'all. You've got to know who you are to get the number that you're on. Uh, should we move on, Dante? Thank you. Just You tell me when I need to go, all right? He knows. He's with me today. So don't, hey, somebody else getting angry. Angry, you can be angry, just don't sin, all right? You can be angry all you want. Is that good? Does that help anybody today? Our, our modern secular culture uses these updated, newer terminology to communicate ideas. 
And the terminology is often not found in the Bible or the Word of God. It takes a little digging to get biblical answers for modern issues today. It takes a little bit of work. We start with modern definitions, and then we compare them to biblical words that share the same or similar definitions. Modern words we use today are like feeling. We say feeling. Oh, I felt that, or I don't like that feeling. And it's, it's in two ways. There can be a physical feeling and there can be an internal feeling. And the physical feeling would be like, I feel hot or I feel cold or I feel pain or I feel hurt. Ouch, that hurt. Or I can feel the touch. It's soft. It's, it's rough. It's slimy. And so that's one way we use feeling. The other way we use feeling is internally. We say, you hurt my feelings. How many of you ever said that before? Kids say it all the time. You hurt my feelings. I feel upset. I feel happy. I feel sad. The definition of feeling, are you ready? I'm going to give you some definitions today. An emotional state or reaction. Didn't help me a whole lot. I still need more definitions. So when you say, I feel something, you know what you're saying? I'm emotional. Well, let's just look up in the King James Version the word emotional. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not there. So what are we going to do? We look up the definition for emotional and see if we can't find a Bible word to define it. Here's what emotions mean. Here's the definition. You ready? A natural state of mind. I could just have musicians come right here. We could have an altar call. Y'all are going to get it today. You ready? Based on one's circumstances, mood, or relationship with others. Yeah, we are, we are saturated with this false ideologies of, of feelings and emotions, and I can't help myself, and I feel things. And feelings are out of control. Emotions are out of control. So let's take it step by step. You ready? Emotions are mental. Someone said they're mental. So we're like, I'm just emotional. I can't help myself. Yes, you can. It's right here. It's right here in your head. Emotions are mental. Argue with all of science. Argue with Webster's Dictionary if you want to. But we say it all the time. We say we're emotional, but we don't even know what that word means. So I'm going to tell you what the word means. From now on, stop saying emotional. Say my mind's wrong. Y'all okay? See, y'all don't, people don't want truth because we like being a victim. We like it. We like not knowing definitions. We like being ignorant because then we can act like we don't know. Today, I'm breaking it all up for you. You can't leave this service today bound unless you want to be bound. I'm telling you from now on, stop saying something not biblical and start talking Bible. I, my mind is messed up. Oh, I'm just emotional. I just, ah, hyperlining, I'm hyperlining. Oh, can't breathe. Ah, 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 ah. It's your mind. Your mind is wrong. Get your mind right. Get your mind. Somebody say, get your mind right. Get your mind right, and your emotions will be right. What a truth bomb right there. It wasn't that hard to figure out. I just asked God, what is it? I looked up definitions. I studied the Bible. Emotions are mental. You feel what you think. You react based on what you think. Thoughts take place in the brain. That's just how this works. So let me just pause a little bit because there are a few people that need to hear this part or know this part. What if, what if you have brain damage? Because that's, that's a real thing. 
if our thoughts and emotions are controlled by the brain and I have brain damage, then what do I do? That's a good point. A lot of people these days have brain damage. People have brain damage because of all of the drugs. There's, a lot of, there's drug babies. Their, their mama had drugs. And it hurts the child's brain. I'm talking about anatomically, physically. It hurt the brain. The wires are messed up. People take too many drugs. It hurts the brain. If the brain is the gateway... If the brain is the way that you, you hold memories and the way that you think and the way that you emo- have emotion, then guess what happens when your brain is broken? Your emotions are broken. So what happens when people have brain damage? When the brain is damaged or chemicals in the brain are not functioning properly, it affects the normal function of our memories and our responses and our emotions. Watch this. The brain is the gateway to the spirit realm. I can prove it to you. If your mind says, I don't want to have a demon in me, then no demon will come in you. Well, that's not true. Well, if that's not true, how come a demon's not in you right now? Because demons want to get in every one of y'all. Your brain says no to spirits that are moving. But not only does your brain say no to demons, it says no to the Holy Ghost too. People are so smart these days, Brother Matthew, that they can't even get God because their brain tells them they can't get it. But your brain is the doorway, the gateway to a move of the Spirit of God or a move of the Spirit of Satan. And when a person has brain damage, you know what they need? They need healing. Anybody believe in miracles? Has anybody given up on people with brain damage? I haven't. I believe the brain can be repaired. I believe that its cells can come back together and wires can be reformed. I believe that the human brain, no matter what drugs have done, I believe our God can heal the brain in people in 2023. And we've got to keep remembering that our God can heal brain damage. Do you believe that? Hey, these people aren't just born this way. Some people have had brain damage. They've fallen. They've hit their head. They've got brain damage. But our God can heal the brain. Do you even know if you've got brain damage? You know you can go take a test to see if you've got brain damage? Some people have actual brain damage. Now, listen to me real close. This is important today. I'm going to teach a little bit today. We need to hear this. Just because you don't act right don't mean your brain doesn't work. There's lots of things that can make you not act right. Some of y'all go to doctors and say, give me medication. Test your brain first. How do you even know you need it? Show me images of your brain not working right on a scan. Don't walk into a doctor's office and say, I don't feel right. Something must be wrong. If you don't have evidence that your brain is damaged, why are you taking drugs for something you can't prove? Y'all, look, if you have a hole in your skin and blood's coming out, go to a doctor and patch the hole. But who goes to doctors and say, just give me a bandage just in case. I don't even, there's nothing here. I feel like there's a cut. Wait for something to be proven before you go take a bunch of junk and listen to a bunch of people. Because you're not just brain, you're spirit. This is why drugs and spirits work closely together. This is why there's people that did drugs that see things. This is why people that did drugs have demons enter into their bedroom at night. Because the gateway's open. They can't stop it, can't control it. This is why... uh, um, 
Mental hospitals are full of people who have had spiritual experiences and done lots of drugs because the drug realm and the spirit realm go hand in hand. Was drug dealing in the Bible? Yes, it was. You know what the word is in the Bible? Sorcery. Simon the sorcerer was a drug dealer. Drug dealing is in the Bible. Pharmaceuticals, from the word pharma. It's in the Bible. There was drug in the Bible. Because people wanted to access the spirit realm, they would take drugs. Because the brain begins to shut down. The gateway begins to open, and now you can have a euphoric moment. The problem is the bad spirits come in, never the good ones. I've never seen anybody get on drugs and all of a sudden turn into some spiritual preacher. They're always a little bit off, always a little bit inconsistent. Your your mentality, your thoughts, according to the definition, are influenced by your circumstances and relationships. These are outside influences, and they're downloaded into your brain's memory bank. Your memories can help you, and they can hurt you. Your memory of your spouse cheating on you four years ago can help you not marry another cheater. But they can also keep you from marrying a good person, too. You need more than memory. Because your memories can hurt you. Bad memories can tell you to slow down and be careful. That can be good. Good memories can tell you to go forward. But our memories sometimes lie to us. Because there's people in this room right now that you had one hair in your spaghetti, you'll never eat it again. You know what that's called? It's called fear. And your brain is hurting you. Because your memory bank is telling you don't ever go to church again. Don't lift your hands again. Don't try again. Don't love again. Because I've gotten memories of bad things. But the only way to create new memories is to go by faith, to trust in God, and you can create new memories. Your emotions are out of control because your mind's out of control, church family. Get your mind right, your emotions will be calm. Your thoughts are messed up, church family. You say, I'm just emotional, and I have zero Bible verses to deal with it. Because we don't use Bible words. You justify your anger, your fear, your sadness by calling it an uncontrollable emotional response. And you say, I'm having a panic attack. You don't have a Bible scripture. And that's why your mind and your life is crazy and out of control. You're living a lie. You're believing a lie. If you can change the thought, you will change the feeling. Fear is a feeling. Somebody pulls a gun on you in a dark alley and points it at your face. Do you feel faith or fear? You feel fear most of the time. You know why? Because you think of all the people who got shot in dark alleys. You never think about all the people who didn't. Because not everybody gets killed in a dark alley. Sometimes they just take your money and go. But what's the first thing that your memory bank, your brain does whenever you have a bad moment is you begin to have an emotional response because your thoughts aren't right. But if you could change your thoughts, you could change your faith. From fear to faith, all based on your thoughts. If you look at the gun, look at the man, instead of saying, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, say, I'm going to live. 
in the name of Jesus. I'm going to live in the name of Jesus. I'm going to live in the name of Jesus because my God can make guns malfunction. My God can make that man forget what he was doing and he can move on down the road. My God can stop it. Listen, it's not over until it's over, but you've got to get that inside of your brain. You want to feel good? Change your thoughts. I don't feel good. I always feel depressed and heavy. What are you thinking? I guarantee you, you're thinking fear. You're thinking worst-case scenarios. Your brain is full of, of all the carnality of the world and the news media. But pull out the Bible and the Word of God. Begin to dance and celebrate and get your mind fixed on things on high. You cannot prove to me the guy that breaks in your house will shoot you. You can't prove it, but your feeling is that he will. And that's the problem. You think to yourself, I'm dead, I won't make it, but how do you know you won't make it? You've got faith that you will die. And some of you right now in this room, your body's falling apart because your brain is telling it that it's going to fall apart. It's a proven scientific fact that the way you think people have overcome cancer with their mind it's a proven fact you recover from surgeries faster if you think you're going to be okay. Hey, what controls your cellular uh, composition and healing process anyway? The brain. When your brain dead, your body dead. Get your mind right, and maybe your body will start to heal. There's a lot of sick people among us. You know why? Because we're emotional, we're out of control in our minds and our thoughts, and we don't think right, we don't have faith, and all of our life is crumbling before us because our minds are wrong. Guess what else is a feeling? Faith. Faith sees the gun pointed and says, No! I'm going to live today. I believe I'm going to make it out of this crisis. It's called faith. And when you get faith in your mind, your emotion is not fear. Your emotion is peace. Like Stephen in the book of Acts who said, go ahead and kill me. I'm good. How do you do that? You get your mind right. You can't kill me. I'm going to go to heaven if you do. I'm not afraid of you. That's mental, y'all, not emotional. When we preach the emotions, we preach that we have no control. It's a lie. Ladies, men, ladies, ladies. It's a lie, and men, but ladies, it's a lie. You can't control your emotions. You know how? Control your thoughts. He's going to leave me. Probably will. You just spoke into existence. You're just a big jerk. Yep, you just created one. You spoke it into existence. We're not going to make it financially. Okay. Then go ahead and get ready to lose your money. Well, it's my emotion. I can't help it, Pastor. Yes, you can. It's your mind. It's not your emotion. It's your mindset. What is coming into your mind today, church family? We do not have to be slaves to our circumstances or our relationships. We can control our emotions if we get our minds right. So think about it, y'all. Emotions come from outside circumstances. That means that we're slaves to our surroundings, and we let everything around us tell us what we are. That's not the will of God. 
Now, I can't find the word emotion in the Bible, but I have one better. It's, it's the source of emotion. It's called the mind. And the mind is 92 times in the Bible. Mindfulness, mindful, is 10 times. Thoughts, 53 times. Think is 62 times. This is about thinking. This word is about your mind. The word is about your mind. Get your thoughts right. Get your mind right, and you will feel better. Philippians 2 and 1, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Someone say mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in all lowliness of mind. Get your mind right, and let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It is not robbery to have the mind of God inside your brain. I think like Jesus. I think like Jesus. What would Jesus think? Not just what would Jesus do. What would Jesus think? When you get your mind right, everything changes. Get your mind right, your faith soars. Get your mind right, your body changes. Let's recap the emotional definition. It's, it's circumstances. It's relationship with others, but there's another word called mood. Someone say mood. How many of y'all get moody? Now you're lying, see? Moody. Mood. Maybe you're not in the mood to say that you're moody. I'm not in the mood to raise my hand, Pastor. I'm in the mood. Y'all, this definition is not consistent to me because circumstances and relationships happen to me, but the mood is in me. You don't get someone to give you a mood. It's in you. The mood is who you are. The circumstances on the outside, the mood's on the inside. You can slap me and I can still be in a good mood. The slap is on the outside, the mood's on the inside. Why do you give people territory of your mood? You can't stop their slap. You can stop the mood. Don't let the slap get on the inside. Keep it on the outside. Let circumstances stay on the outside. Let God have your brain. Let God have your mindset. Let God tell you what to think about the slap. I think I know what they're trying to say. Sometimes we feel moody. Someone say amen. And we don't even know why. I just don't know why I feel like I feel. I've got money in the bank. I just had a lobster and steak. <sighs> I think I need coffee. Wait, I've had four shots of espresso. That's not it. It's not my wife. No, I just am in a mood. This is how we talk. Hey, what's wrong with you? I just don't know. And you go down the list, you know, you're like, is it this? No. Is it that? No. You're crazy. I figured it out. You're crazy. I'm done. I'm leaving. I'm going to go because I don't know what's wrong with you. Women get the bad rap because they talk about it. Men don't talk about it. They're in moods too. Men get moody. You know how men are in a mood? They get quiet. If men are in a mood, they're fishing or hunting or working or nailing some boards up in the backyard building stuff. Coming for dinner. No, I'm good. 
He's got a mood. Women make lots of noise around the kitchen. <laughs> well, I guess I'll just take the trash out myself. Some stuff you don't have to say. Just take it out. <laughs> I guess I'll make another sandwich. Oh, well. That's a joke right there. Yeah. It's a meatball sub. Yeah. So. so we feel moody sometimes. We don't know why. It's not we're thinking anything bad. We just have a heavy heart. We say we have a heavy heart. Do you know many people have committed suicide that everyone said they seem fine? There were no signs of depression. We didn't know that they were about to commit suicide. They were just in a mood. Everything on the surface seems fine. They were just in a mood, and we don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to talk about. We just say, well, they're, they're in a mood. How can you help a mood? Yeah. Nothing we can do. We love them, but they're still in a mood. Why can't we help this person? They're in a mood. And we use these words. We have no Bible for it. So today, the Lord wanted me to come and help you. You see, we have these things called instincts. Now, what is instincts? You know, we say stuff like a gut feeling. How many of you ever had a gut feeling? Don't go down that street. How come? I have a gut feeling. Okay, are you, what, what happened? Why? Why in your gut? That's not a great place to, to source from, you know? You just had pizza. I'm not sure your gut can be honest right now, you know? But we say stuff like that. Like my wife would be like, look, I just have this feeling. And I'm like, well, how come? She's like, I just, and I'm like, Okay. But sometimes you get a gut feeling, and you don't know why. And it's not logical. It's not mental. Because I try to ask you to define it. You're like, I don't, I don't know. What is that? It's called an instinct. That's the word we use in secular terms. But what's the, what's the definition of instinct? Y'all, this is crazy, Matthew. Watch this. Instinct, definition, unlearned behavior. Unlearned behavior? What's unlearned behavior? We know these fancy, these fancy doctors are like, yes, I know what instinct is. It's unlearned behavior. I'm like, I have a question. Yes, uh, 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 Green, Kurt Green. Um, how do we do it if we, weren't, we never learned it? Well, it's just deep in you. It's deep in me? It's instinctual? It's something that you can't explain that causes me to act a certain way? Kind of sounds like uh, what the Bible calls my sinful nature. You see, we're, we're, we're body, soul, and spirit. And this is the reason why you can't science spirit. Because we have physicians for our bodies. We have psychiatrists for the brain. We have psychologists to help us with our thoughts. But who do you have for your spirit? You can pick from witch doctor, medicine man, satanic, demon-possessed warlocks, or man of God. You pick. I got me a doctor, and I pay him $80,000 a year. Just me for that surgery. And everybody pays him $80,000 a year. He makes $500,000 a year. He takes care of our bodies because our bodies are important. I have me a, a mental health professional that I go to and talk about my thoughts. That's important. 
I have someone I go to about my brain to make sure my chemicals work good and I get the right kind of, you know, stuff in my head because I want to make sure my brain's healthy, make sure my body's healthy, make sure my thoughts are healthy. But what about your spirit? Oh, I don't need church. I don't need anybody that, that specializes in the spirit realm. Really, what do you do about your instincts? Well, they just are what they are. If I feel like killing someone, I will. Well, that's kind of sad. But what if your instincts tell you to do horrible things? What if your instincts tell you that you're, you're a monkey or a bird or a fox? Because that's where our society is heading. People literally think they're animals now because their instinct told them. And no one can help them. And there's no drug to take. So what do we do? I may not be able to help you as your pastor with your body. I may not be able to help you completely with all your thoughts. But I know I can help you with your spirit. In fact, preachers specialize in spirits. And I would rather have my doctorate in spirits than any other doctorate degree. Do you know why? Because spirits control minds. Minds control bodies. And there is nothing greater than the Spirit. Nothing more powerful than the Spirit. Preacher, I don't believe in, I don't believe in spirits. Then you don't believe in instinct. Instinct is not physically learned or mentally learned. So then what is it talking? What are we talking about here? In, in Mark 7.21, I'm almost done. Musicians, musicians can come. For with, within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts. Out of the heart, out of the spirit of the man, out of the nature of the man. It's your nature that's a problem, not just your thoughts. Look, I could give you four books to read about how to get your thoughts right, and you'll still be crazy if you don't get your spirit right. How many ever sat down with somebody and tried to have a rational conversation with them and say, hey, hey, let me sit down, buddy, and tell you, buckaroo, what's going on inside your brain there? And they sit there, and they'll talk to you for hours, and they'll charge you a lot of money, and when you get done, you're still suicidal. Because you cannot fix someone's brain and thoughts if you can't help their spirit. Jesus did not come just to give us new minds and new bodies. He came us to give us a new spirit. He said, be born again of water and of spirit. Because the spirit controls the mind. And inside of us, the deepest parts of our nature, our sinful nature, we've got evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, verse 21, murders. Verse 22, there's theft and covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, that's lust, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride. Pride. They told me it's pride month. These people are going to go to hell if they don't repent. Tell them. You need to tell them if they ask you. It's the truth, y'all. Pride comes before. And that's what's about to happen in this nation. This is fall month in summer. They're fallen. Pride, foolishness. It comes from the spirit. Y'all, you can't, you can't talk people out of it with your mind. You see these videos, people with signs saying, don't be homosexual anymore. And the homos are like, okay. Abortion's wrong. Oh, and they walk up and they're like, oh, yeah, I hate you. You're a horrible person. You can't have a rational conversation with a spirit. And that's why Jesus never talked to spirits. He commanded them. 
I just want to help my family and friends. Let's sit down on Thanksgiving and have a discussion. You can't talk to the spirits and convince them. It's not logical. It's not rational. It's the nature. They've got to be born again of water and spirit before they can see or enter the kingdom of God. Stop trying to talk everybody into stuff. I can't help anybody's mind if they don't have the right spirit. They won't listen to me. and They won't listen to you. And that's why you need to pray and fast and get in the spirit because we're, we're facing a spiritual battle, not a mental battle. It's spiritual first, mental second. Paul said, it's not me, it's sin that's in me in Romans 7. I won't read it all. Hebrews 4 and 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged swords, piercing even a dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Literally, the word of God can divide the soul from the spirit. Souls and spirits are very closely tied together. They're both invisible. A dog has a soul. That's why the ignorant thing keeps jumping on the table eating chicken. No matter how many times you beat the dog, you don't care. His nature says, I will die for chicken. Doesn't matter. It's the nature of the dog. That's the soul. That's what, that's what God put there to, to make that dog a dog. And you guys, we, we have a soul, but we also have a spirit, and animals don't have a spirit. We have a spirit. And this spirit's a fallen spirit. And that's why all this nasty comes out, because until we get a new spirit... Our thoughts are wrong, and our bodies are wicked. Let me do an example. I'm going to paint you a picture here. Uh, Matthew, come stand right here. And then uh, let me get uh, Omar, you can come up here in the middle. And then let me get one of the, the younger, younger men. Joseph, will you help us? Thank you. Come up here. Appreciate you. Let me show you how it works. Come all the way up here, buddy. Thank you for helping today. We're body, soul, and spirit, okay? You're, you're representing the body right here, okay? So I want to show you how this works. We're body, soul, and spirit. And this is the body. And the body has aches and pains, and the body gets hungry. Don't you get hungry sometimes? Yeah. And the body wants food, and the body wants sleep. And the body talks to both of these guys and says, you need to help me out, man, because I am weak um, the body wants to, to, to serve the body and take care of the body. The body doesn't care about your soul or your spirit. This body wants what it wants. That's why whenever you're hungry, it slaps these guys in the face. If, if Joseph was hungry right now and he really wanted to, he'd go slap those two guys. But they have more power than him. This is why people that don't have the Holy Ghost, they just have a strong mind made up, can climb Mount Everest without the Holy Ghost. Because God put it inside of us to make your mind up and do some big things. And it's funny how some people can climb Mount Everest, but they can't stay married. It's amazing how powerful the mind is. If they wanted to stay married, they could. But it would be like climbing Mount Everest. And so the mind is powerful. And the mind tells the body what to do. All right? So come over here. And if you want to lift his arm up, lift his arm up. Because he has to do what you tell him. Okay. And this is the way it works, see? He's a puppet. He, do, he has no control by himself. He has to do what the, what, the, what the soul, the mind, tells him to do. So here's what's cool about spirits. Guess what talks to the mind? 
the Spirit. When you get the right Spirit inside of you, this changes your innermost desires. Now watch this. The Spirit can say, go do something, and it not make sense to the mind, and the body doesn't want to do it. But it's still right to do it. The mind says divorce. The body says divorce. The Spirit says stop. The mind says, I need one more smoke. The body says, I'm addicted to it. The Spirit says, I got you. You don't need that anymore. The mind says, they hurt me. It doesn't make sense to go back to that church. The body says, boy, I don't want to be hurt either. Let's partner up and try to fight against the Spirit. And that's what the Bible says, that the body wars against the Spirit and the soul is in the middle and the mind is the battleground. You know why? Because on one side, you've got the flesh saying, go do what you want today. Serve yourself. And the Spirit of God is saying, no, don't do it. And there's a tug of war. Do you know what part of you has to repent? This part of you. Your mind has got to make it up that I'm going to turn to God and get the power of the Holy Ghost in my life talking to me every day. You see, this sinful nature doesn't want to go. This old man doesn't want to die. This old man wants to live. And that old man partners up with your flesh and says, we're together in this. But then there comes a day when your mind says, this ain't working. There's got to be a better way. i got to get help. And before you know it, you're in an altar and you're praying. And your mind is a little bit confused and your body is weak, but the spirit begins to come in. And what happens when the spirit comes in is the body goes, the body and the, the mind begins to go loose and says, whatever you want me to do. And all of a sudden the spirit comes in and grabs the mind and begins to control the mind because the mind lets the spirit work. And whenever it begins to control, look, lift his hand up. This is what happens. You don't need another book to read. You don't need just an exercise program for your body or good diet. Because you can affect your spirit from here down a little bit. The Bible says bodily exercise profits a little. Jump up and down. The mind likes it, and the spirit starts to feel it too. That's why when we come into church, we begin to praise God. You can stop. That's why whenever we come into church, I don't just get my, I'll wait on the Spirit of God. I'll wait on, the Spirit of God's already telling you to jump. It's amazing how good you feel whenever you come into church and you say, hey, forget about anything else. I know I'm supposed to praise God. And you start getting your body engaged. And you start moving your body and start to praise your body. All of a sudden, your mind starts to feel better. And your mind says, you know what? I can make it. Sing the song again. I can make it by faith. And when the mind begins to move, all of a sudden, you feel the spirit. That's why every church service, there needs to be body, mind, and spirit activity. Not just deep inside of you, but on the outside of you. See, some of y'all come in church, you won't activate your body or your mind. And that's why the Spirit's held hostage. But if the Spirit's truly in charge of you, it will show up in your thoughts. It will show up in your body. And I know you don't really have a move of God in your life when it never shows up in your thoughts, your language, and your body. So today, what can we offer 
what can we do? Today you've come into a spiritual place. And the spiritual place is always more powerful than any book you'll read about your mind and any exercise program for your body. Because when you get the spirit right, your mind begins to clear up. And you start to feel right even though it doesn't look like it's okay. And you look at that and there's a big mountain and you don't know if you can climb it, but the spirit says go. And the mind says no and the body says no, but the spirit says go. And the spirit will give you the power to push your mind through difficult situations, to speak to you mentally, and then charge your body up for what's next. This is why today in this place, we need a spiritual impartation. You can get your mind a little better outside talking to somebody. You can get your body a little better by what you eat and how you exercise. But you can't really get things changed until you open up your spirit and get a new spirit living inside of you. It ought to be your mission every day when you wake up to make sure that the Holy Ghost is inside of you. That your mind is clean and right with the Word of God and prayer. Because then everything that happens after that uh, is absolutely natural. Because the body is slave to the mind and the mind to the spirit. And that's when you begin to pray, it changes your mind. People say, you don't need the Holy Ghost. You need a psychiatrist or psychologist. You need to go exercise. And I'm like, all that stuff might could help a little. But you know what really is going to change you? Is your spirit. The internal part of you that says, I don't know why it's going to be okay, but it will. I can't see it except through eyes of faith. I don't know how my family's going to make it, but it just will. I don't know how my finances are going to make it. It doesn't make sense logically. I'm in the hole in my body, physically, mentally. It doesn't make sense. But then the Spirit comes along and says, I got you. I got you. I'll lift you. I'll make a way out of no way. I'll create water out of a rock. I'll let you walk on dry land through the sea. The Spirit says, I know it seems impossible, but let me work. I gave you a long Bible study today to see someone that they get baptized in the Holy Ghost, get renewed in the Spirit. It's amazing how good you feel when you let the Spirit move in you. Last night, Brother Dell, we worshiped in your house, and you could just feel my mind began to get better. And your body starts to feel better. If some of you have aches and pains, maybe start with the spiritual issues. Maybe get free of surgeries, get free of drugs. We are spiritual people. Well, let's just have another conversation. Yeah, with Jesus. Well, if I could just sit down and have one more talk with him. No, talk to the Lord first. Get the spirit right first. Anybody else tired of just arguing with folks? Anybody else tired of always trying to argue with your kids? Argue, you argue with your spouse, your boss, whoever. Are you tired of trying to get through to people because you just can't? You know why? Because the minds of people are so messed up today. The only hope for us is a spiritual impartation. And that's why it's good for the church just to shut down the mind, be still with the body, and let the Holy Ghost fill us up again. Because that spirit says, follow me. I'll lead you. I'll give you thoughts to think. I'll give you plans for your life. 
We are a spirit-led, spirit-filled church. Let's all stand and lift our hands together to the Holy Ghost today to fill us today in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, God's going to change someone's emotional outburst today. Come on, let the Holy Ghost have control of your mind. And that's why some of you weep in church. It's because the Holy Ghost gets your mind. That's why some of you scream out in church. It's because the Holy Ghost got your mind. Some of you cry because the Holy Ghost got your, your mind. Is it okay to be emotional in church? Yes. It's okay to be emotional whenever the Holy Ghost has our minds. If you would let the Holy Ghost touch your mind right now, what would happen in this service? It would say, lift up your hands, body. If you let the Holy Ghost get a hold of your mind, it would say, walk down to that front and let that preacher pray for you today. If you would surrender your will to God's will. I'm preaching to the emotional people today that have no control over your emotions. You're angry all the time. You throw fits. It's because your mind doesn't think right. And the Holy Ghost sent me today to tell you He wants to control your mind and your thoughts to be a new creation, to have power and authority. Oh, thank you, Father. I love you, Jesus. Think about the Lord, how He saved me, how He raised me, how He healed me. Come on, let's sing it. To the uttermost, when I think about the Lord, save me, raise me. Yeah, that's it. Come on, you don't have to shout yet. You're not ready to shout. But right now, we've got to open up our heart to the Holy Ghost right now. Why are you afraid of the Holy Ghost? Come on, get your minds on Jesus. Come on, this word was for everyone in this house today. Yeah, yeah. Come on, revelation in the name of Jesus. I bind every distraction right now. God, let the word go forth and give peace to this church family. Give control over our minds and our thoughts. The devil's had territory in our minds too long. Yeah, we want to shout. Thank you, Jesus. And all the praise. Oh, let's sing it out. It makes me want to shout. Oh, take over me, Jesus. Take over me, Jesus. Come on, you'll feel better when you start getting in the flow of the Holy Ghost. You'll feel better in your mind. Hey, yeah. Me, Lord. Oh, come on, that's what's wrong with your thoughts. Ladies, your emotions. If you'll have daily prayer and Bible study, then you'll have you'll be right. Turn me around. How he place my feet on solid ground. Come on, let God baptize you with the spirit right now. Oh, fill me up, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all of We're a people of control. 
We're led by the Holy Ghost power. Let the Spirit in. Let the Spirit in. Hey, Jesus. That's it. Come on, receive it. Receive it. I preach in the name of Jesus. Receive the Holy Ghost. Get the Spirit right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It feels good to be in the Holy Ghost. It feels good to be back.